0: Ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Ice Cave Radio, episode number 37. 37 episodes. Incredible, isn't it? I think that's... That's almost as many episodes as years I am. Not quite. We're we're getting there. I mean... It's getting there. We're getting there. i It's rubbing up against me, for sure. I'm... I turned 38 last month, so... my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Are we too old for Star Wars? No. Never. That's right. That is the correct answer. You're never too old for Star Wars. You can like whatever the hell you want. Either way.
1: You can. You can. Yeah.
0: Do it. Do it. Uh this is a podcast about Star Wars Unlimited, but also so many other Star Wars card game content, etc. We appreciate you being here. Flake, Doa, Charmer, the whole gang's back together. I forgot my oh, last yeah. my last one. Oh. Mm-hmm. Nice.
1: I opened Speaking mine weeks ago. Yeah.
2: Speaking of the last one, this is the last episode of this show that we will do before the game officially kicks off. Like, I know we got to do the really cool event, but pre-releases start tomorrow because we're recording this on February 29th, the day that only exists once every four years. And I could not be more excited for this weekend. Oh, I am.
0: Yeah over the moon i i I know that everybody's been talking about the pre-releases etc toronto's been a little bit difficult to find pre-releases um there's there's a bunch they actually started bubbling up but friday was a challenge Uh, i was ready to drive about two and a half hours to london ontario to go to a pre-release until at the 11th hour and i have the ontario F- swoo facebook group to thank they put out an sos saying hey there's one in the greater toronto area on friday night at 6 p.m i snapped it off i actually registered for it while recording with majin bay uh for instant <laughs> speed podcast so this is one moment you gotta do you gotta do uh, dude i didn't know how long it was gonna be up there but it's uh yeah, it's very exciting enough. very exciting well, a lot of those are
1: 16 i mean all the ones in my area are 16 players i think that's just how it shakes out for, uh, for a lot of those, so I, I made to register t- for mine uh, tomorrow night as fast as I possibly could. I was waiting for that Facebook post. I had, I had the inside word that once the post is up, you can call and do it. So that's exactly what I did. Jump on it.
2: Yeah, I, I had something similar. I think I actually have one local store that is going to be able to support a 32 person because I think that wow. they did not have a cap when I, when I was registering and they're a store that normally, if you do it online, they will specifically put the cap if there is one. So, hmm. uh, well, we'll have to wait and see, but I, I am registered for Friday, Saturday and Sunday with myself and my son Stark, who played the game a ton at Gen Con. And we are, we are ready to go. Now, I was the same way I wanted to register ahead of time because if there was limited spots, I, I didn't want to miss out for myself, but also I I knew how important it was to get two slots. It's very weird trying to plan for an event with two people, but it's also very, I don't know. Like I, I I get my feelings a little bit, right? Like this is that moment as a dad that I've always waited for. Not that Stark hasn't played games with me and whatever in the past, but this is the first time where he, I feel like is equally as excited and he, he was just raring to go. So I'm, I'm so excited for this weekend.
1: What uh, what leader does he want to play? Does he have a? Does he have one in particular he wants to to try to he, run and seal?
2: He really likes the Luke Skywalker from the, uh, the starter kits. decks. Yeah, yeah, and and this That's is he loves tokens. Yeah. yeah, this is the only time that you'll level uh, your. Well, I shouldn't say ever. We never know what they'll do in the future, but. For right now, in the short term, this is the only time that you will be able to play with that Luke and that Vader in a limited environment, is this pre-release. So, um, if you're listening and you're not aware of this, at your pre-release, you can use the Luke and Vader that they give you as part of the pre-release kit. That is, that is allowed here. Now, in future sealed events, it's just whatever you open. But for this one, Luke and Vader are on the table, literally and, you know, figuratively. So he's probably going to play Luke. I, I'll okay. wait and see what he opens. He, he might, if he opens something else really cool, he might change his mind, but I have a feeling he's going to play Luke.
1: Awesome. All right. And and if I recall correctly, this is the, the pre-release is the only way to get the foil Luke Invader too, right? Because they come in the pre-release. Yeah, Obviously, maybe. there were the hyperspace promos from like Gen Con and other, other events. But uh, I think the pre-release, yeah, there he is. The pre-release is the only time you can do the foil
0: one. As far as I know. At this point, who knows what the future will hold? But, well, we are going to talk about the pre-release uh, in this episode because there's so much that we want to try and we want to play. Obviously, in constructed and limited, etc. We've drafted, we've done all these things. But I know for me, for you, for Charmer, for everybody, there are certain things that we're going to want to open when we, you know, when you open the pre-release and you're looking for cards, you're like, yes, I got this or I got this. And there's, we're gonna get into that. In this episode, because I think all of us are really just <laughs> really over the top excited for this whole thing. So, hey I mean, we finally got all the cards revealed. We can finally talk about the entire
1: set uh, and and judge all the cards as much as we want. We can make our crazy predictions about what's strong, what's not. That people can come back and laugh at later. Like it's it's a great time in a, a game especially when it's just on the cusp of releasing but the gr- a great time in an expansion too and we get into that down the road you know it's always I love prediction time because it's fun to see what you get right what you get wrong you know I love it lots lots of cool stuff
2: we're waiting on youtube you know yeah I was gonna see oh, yeah. what else well, we have well, what, what uh. is it Charver? tell us what is it uh a, a long pause yeah apparently no, uh I i I was uh I was gonna do something witty there but I feel like we've drug our feet long enough. So instead, we're just going <laughs> to jump right into the cave poll of the week.
0: It is the Wampa Cave Poll of the week. Every Sunday. We have been so good, by the way, putting that bad boy up on Sundays. I have yeah. made a point of it to, to really just prove to well, somebody done. out there that we can, we understand schedules. So... Every Sunday at Ice Cave Radio on Twitter, you guys can go ahead and toss in your vote for the weekly poll. This week's poll, my friends, who would be most annoying to sit next to on a 14 hour flight? I have taken 14 hour flights. They are not fun, especially when problem. you're sitting next to somebody who annoys the hell out of you. So here are your options. Option one Jar Jar Binks. You know, or prequel era clown. Jester. Wait, who's Jar Jar Binks? I'm not familiar. Could he you describe was it more? integral. Darth Jar Jar, the oh. he, frankly the the evil thread that sewed everything together. Sounds sinister. We have it sounds a, like a, a phantom menace type of thing, you know, <laughs> like a menace, but you're not quite sure where it's coming from. Where's it coming from? Where's it coming? Yeah. Where's from? the menace? He is the he is the specter annoyance, is what he is. There you go. We've got. Grogu, the child, you know from the Mandalorian. There is General Grievous, whom, I mean, let's be real, had a, I think is one of the coolest characters in all of Star Wars. That's just me. And finally, che 3 po C3PO. I don't. I don't know why I said it that way. I don't know why
1: you did that either. That was. I've never. I've never heard it said like that, but. I'm glad I was able to experience
0: New year, new me. Okay. Um, I guess so. So we're going to start with you, Charmer. Who did you select for the cave pool this week?
2: This was actually a really difficult decision for me because I feel like Grogu would also not be fun to sit next to for a 14-hour flight because it's a child. Like, I think what's lost in this, all these people who didn't vote for Grogu are probably the same people who complain about babies on planes. And he's still (laughs) just going to be like whiny and needing stuff he's gonna he look at mando he's gonna like take stuff off of uh the ship he's gonna eat people's babies like their eggs and whatever (laughs) like he's oh yeah he's he's a little menace and i think that, that. that is lost and i very much wanted to vote for him uh but ultimately i actually voted for general grievous because he takes up a ton of space i think general grievous is also one of the coolest characters in in star wars for a lot of reasons but if i'm sitting next to him on a plane he's gonna try to hug the armrests for the entire row he's got enough All of, arms four he's like <laughs> i want i want my armrest i want your armrest i want that armrest i'm gonna add this armrest it'll be a you know a nice addition to my collection sort of thing oh, yeah. every time he gets up to go to the bathroom they're gonna like spin and <laughs> i just i feel like i couldn't sleep next wheel. to so when i'm on a long flight i just sleep through most of it i'm Blessed with the ability to sleep on planes, Very lucky, wow. Um, But I feel like, of those options, he's going to keep me awake the most. So I voted for Grievous, but I I do think Grogu is vastly underrated, especially when we talk about the results, because it is a literal child and a menace on the spacecraft with Mando most of the time, so... Mm.
0: Doa, how about yourself?
2: Um,
1: you know, I... I would lean towards Jar Jar Binks. You know, he has a habit of of hitting people with his ears when he turns his head very quickly. That's a problem with the the size of airline. I, I assume we're talking economy class here.
0: Yeah, i look. My
1: yeah. First class, I don't care. You put me like to Jabba the Hutt. That's plenty of room. But uh, in economy, then we got a problem, right? I mean, he's gonna be like, they're gonna bring the cart by, and he's gonna be like, uh, Misa want a stroopwaffle, and he's gonna <laughs> stick his tongue out and uh, and grab it you know right out of the cart nobody wants that he's going to do it anyway um and none of us are jedi so we can't grab it on the way back and and get that stroop waffle for us right don't do that um, again yeah yeah exactly yeah but uh the but i i got to say i i was close to to picking grogu as well um and, and i'm not i'm not annoyed by babies near me on planes mm-hmm. As the oldest of eight, I've become kind of immune to you know child noises. Just in general, they don't bother me. Um, but if I'm taking care of Grogu, then then things get crazy. Because carrying like taking care of a baby, a lap baby on a plane, I had to do this recently. I had to fly from Minnesota to L. A. and back with my with my seven month old daughter at the time, and, and she's wonderful. But on the way there, she was having a bit of of tummy trouble, and I had to do three dirty diaper changes on a three hour flight, and that was pure misery. She wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. So if Grogu has that problem. We're talking like a 14 hour flight. What's like, uh, what, how many 15 ish divided by three, five that's, that's like, uh, that's like 15 diaper changes for Grogu. Like nobody wants to do that. I mean, he's 50, but he's still a baby, right? So that's, I would yeah. say Grogu would be a concern for me, but it depended on the health of Grogu. But yeah. just objectively i think jar jar is the the easy choice though.
2: i I do think that just to to recap here uh you make a good point because i hadn't even really considered that other people's kids don't bother me on planes when i was complaining i was talking as if i was taking care of him because i'm also a father who has had to fly with infants on planes and that was where my (laughs) nightmare was coming from and then i was imagining like you know if i'm responsible for grogu and he's a little you know, wrap scallion on this thing because not only is he like a literal child, but he can like levitate stuff around, and yeah. you never know what he's gonna do. He might abs- accidentally collapse the hull of this plane just because he sneezes <laughs> or something. So that would not. Be that, good. That's where I I was like, from the caretaker standpoint, it seems a bit much.
0: I I was yeah. on the same thing, and like this is this is the interesting part was because when I put Grogu up there, I was on the same exact wavelength as both of you here is i'm like it's a child that is really difficult to control has the capability to really be a menace and at the same time like you said just eats things levitates things just pops up and things it's like that that is that sounds just kind of unrealistic to to sit next to and have a good time but i ultimately voted also for general grievous and part of it is yes the bulkiness the arrogance all of that is one hell of a uh, um, a tall task to deal with but have we forgot the coughing the incessant <laughs> wheezing and coughing and oh. hacking
1: like so this is pr- this is post mace windu encounter
0: oh yeah no this okay, is this is it. basically him at his absolute worst where he's just like and i've flown so much and yes when the person next to you just full open mouth expels there's like <laughs> and you're like yeah
1: Oh, major COVID concerns from General Grievous there.
2: I was just going to say, I want to be on a plane where one of those people who gets annoyed by others wearing masks for whatever reason, like, (laughs) I want to be on a plane where somebody says to a a General Grievous or a Darth Vader or a Kylo Ren, like, oh, buddy, wearing a mask, don't you know, it doesn't do anything? (laughs) Just like, yeah. yeah,
1: uh Come on, you sheeple, wake up.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm an (laughs) anti-Bakdite. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's right all right let's let's get to the results here which in my opinion were quite a little bit surprising here as jar jar binks is not that's not the surprising part that's because, not surprising no, no. there no. has been this long long storied annoyance of jar jar binks in the fandom for a long time jar jar binks at 48.7 percent is the number one choice second is general grievous at 31.6 percent Third was C-3PO at 17.1%, and last was Grogu. I think there is a certain amount of this. There's bias based on the cuteness factor of Grogu. I thought that C-3PO was, frankly, probably going to be the best because it is somebody who is completely obedient to certain commands. And as was noted by many people who have commented on this poll... You just sit there and let him tell wicked stories with all the sound effects, like he did on Endor, right? With the You can switch
1: him off, too. We know that.
0: Like, you can just reach over and turn off C-3PO. So he's really no threat. No. To me, it should have been, like, zero for C-3PO, and then probably, like, a solid 33% across the board. The fact that Grogu... It it took about 20 to 30 votes before Mm. Grogu got more than one i think grogu was hovering at w- at like one percent like one vote for the longest time but 2.6 percent there's like three or four people don't who know. voted for him yeah
1: they haven't flown with babies yet like babies under their care i should say that's a, there's a big difference between being next to somebody else's baby then it's like, oh, cute baby, I get to sit next to the cute baby. That's great. And then it's if it's your baby, you're like, oh no, like did I forget to feed it? Do I bring it along? Oh no, I brought extra clothes for them, but I didn't bring extra clothes for me. What if they poop on me? Then I'm just covered in poop
0: forever, or I'm not wearing pants forever. I'm gonna get kicked <laughs> off the flight both ways. Yeah, there's some drama there. That's scary. Now. I do want to make um, make a little bit of comment here regarding the hatred for Jar Jar Binks because oh, that well there was okay. some very difficult and again you know me and Charmer etc everybody we're we're all very much advocates for for proper mental health Ahmed Best who played Jar Jar Binks was getting death threats and actually contemplated you know uh, some very difficult life related decisions based yeah, he, on
2: he almost looped himself.
0: Yeah, oh, wow. and 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 I that, mean, and, but it's like it's on. Well, I mean.
1: People, well, I mean, this has been, a, so let's let's be real. This has been a problem with not just Star Wars fandom, but every, you know, kind of insane fandom from time to time, is that people can't separate the actors from the characters. You can be like, yeah, Jar Jar Binks is one of the most annoying characters ever created, and not be like, I hate the person that played him. They, sure. You know, they were just, they were performing a role that they were paid to do, you know? Oh, I,
2: I yeah, I am on the other end. I want to argue that he might be one of the best actors in the history of Star Wars. Because his whole point was comedic relief and to be an annoyance, and he did it superbly. He That's is to Star fair. Wars That's what fair. Joffrey is to Game of Thrones. Sure, the only difference is, is the audience knows they're supposed to hate Joffrey, right? Mm. And I think that that is where the confusion comes from. Is that I think too many people just like wanted to love Jar Jar, and then were upset when they didn't.
1: To, I don't think you're supposed to dislike Jar Jar, though. I, I don't, don't think, think you're supposed to, to like to be the him though either. Comedy relief. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I I feel like he was supposed to be more lovable than the character kind of ended up
2: maybe, being. Maybe, but if, even if that's the case though, cuz when I look at the character and I think about the way everyone else around him interacts with him, very few people actually give him grace or any sort of positivity. Like they tolerate him, right? But it's not like Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan are warm to him. With the exception of maybe, you know, Queen Amidala, very few other people treat him like an equal throughout the entire thing. So I always took it as you're not like he's supposed to be like that annoying little brother. Like you can't get rid of him, but you're not supposed to really like him either. And he sometimes does something funny. Now, maybe maybe that's just my own interpretation, but I always took my cues from the way everyone else in the Star Wars universe interacts with him, And it's not very kind or pleasant from their perspective. I mean, they they did make
1: him a senator. They they did give him kind of uh, extreme amounts of power for very little reason, really, if you go back and think about it. But, well, and, and that kind of uh,
2: letting know, somebody be a politician is like uh, yeah. I, I, I would let my enemies be, be politicians. I'll put it that way.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. I will say this, though, that like the whole point of this was, again, yes, you're absolutely right, Doha, about separating the actor from the part that they're playing. I just want to give a lot of love to Ahmed Best, who came back in the Ahsoka uh, series, as well as now, just um, on, on Ahmed Best's Instagram, he is back in motion capture for some mystery performance that is Star Wars related. Is he going back as Jar Jar Binks? Is he going to be playing something else? We're not sure. We don't know to what capacity. Maybe it's a video game. Maybe it's a, a live action Series Maybe it's not. Maybe it's an animated thing. But regardless, Ahmed Best is doing better and has since been embraced by Star Wars fandom for the most part. And even though we might hate Jar Jar Binks, a lot of people have sort of smartened up. Because that's what they should do. If you hate Ahmed uh... Best because you hate Jar Jar Binks, then you're an idiot. that's There's no two ways about it. I will completely say that. If you hate Ahmed Best because you hate the character he played... You are an idiot. That's Well, I, I
1: think if you if you genuinely hate someone for a role they play in a movie, then you probably have a lot of anger in your heart and you have other things to worry about. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Anyway. And I have to correct you though. I have to I have to correct you though, Flake. Yes. Uh I'm at best uh, portrayed uh Jedi uh master or Jedi Knight. I don't know. Keller and Beck mm-hmm. uh in uh The Mandalorian. Oh, was Not the Mandalorian? Oh that's Not my bad. So sorry. That's right. Yeah. My apologies as uh, the one who saved Grogu uh from the attack on the Jedi Temple. Yes. Jedi. yes. Mm-hmm. So oh, sorry. sorry I I had to step in there and be like, "Yeah, yeah.
2: but also I now I I hate you, don't know the (laughs) (laughs) the tags on that Instagram share are Uh actually very appropriate because Flake alluded to the long running fan theory that Jar Jar was a, a secret Sith Lord, and in his tags he has a hashtag Jedi, which you could argue is for keller and Beck, and then he's got hashtag sith lord (laughs) and the only other character he has in the hashtags is jar jar binks so if keller and Beck, and we know that's a jedi is the jedi then to me this is him implying that jar jar was in fact uh, a sith lord probably Uh, he's just hitting all the the tags but like it's funny that that lined up after flake made the joke well let me do this again Well, actually, uh, what this (laughs) may be pointing to is
1: uh, the the rumors that have been going around that Star Wars may be getting a what if series on Disney Plus that the Marvel Universe did, too, which is all of like alternate universe kind of things. You know, what if this happened? What if this happened? so I see this as pointing to a what if episode where Jar Jar is that Sith Lord. So that's that's going to be my prediction here. First prediction of the episode here. All right. I'm hitting the button.
0: Not so subtle. I'm hitting the oh, the emergen- it's emergency pack time. It's time. I think we've gone a little bit too off track here. Not that it wasn't entertaining no. and fun, but we're doing it. So I'm going to open my emergency pack, and I think we're just going to go back to Babu Freak saying "Hey, hey." So. hey, hey! Any <laughs> any <laughs> objections to that soundbite?
1: No, I, I, I love I'm it. I'm not a I'm not the biggest Babu Freak fan. This
0: is known, but go for it. <sighs> That's you fool, absolute fool. All right, we're opening it. <laughs> See what we get here. Showcase. Bob of Not quite. Um, think... IG 88. Is it hyperspace at least? No, man. I'll show you oh, if there's oh, a hyperspace oh. card. Okay. Uh, All right. Precision Fire, Resupply, Academy okay. Defense Walker. Okay. I like uh, that card. Disabling Fang Fighter. We'll do it this way. Right. I was going
2: to say, oh,
1: yeah. yeah. You got to show us the goods, man. Sorry. Like, strike true. true yeah. Yeah. Yep. Strike true. All right. Uh, the Surgical Droid. Yep. Got it. Uh, we got a, 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 what
0: is that? Restock or the something restock, like that? Restock, yeah. yeah. We got Restock. We've got mm-hmm. Asteroid, Sanctuary. Asteroid
1: Sanctuary. I like that card. I like that card.
0: I really like this card. I think this card is great. Good card for limited. Ooh! Oh, Corellian Freighter. Ooh. Hyperspace. Oh, not bad, not bad. Yeah, Hyperspace Corellian Freighter. Just looks super cool. Cool. It's a neat looking card. Yeah. All right.
1: The Force, the force is, is really with cool. me. Yeah. I am one
0: with the forces. are in I
1: don't know how Force, you know. It's pretty good. Uh, oh, Pirated Starfighter. I like that one too.
0: Yeah. Uh oh, all right. Overwhelming barrage, one of the best uncommons in the set. For sure. I yes. my suspicion is that we'll be talking about this today. Yeah. And and uh, Emperor's Royal Guard.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, there's still there might be some some sauce yeah, behind yeah. it. He says he's okay.
0: Yeah. Hey! Oh, maybe not. <laughs> foil spec force uh trooper, right? Yeah. Foil features, Spec Force Soldier. So out of this, what's your oh, pack yeah. one pick one? Is it overwhelming oh, oh, barrage? Overwhelming barrage. Overwhelming barrage. Yeah. Overwhelming yeah. Barrage. Uh
1: I, I think you could make an argument for uh the, the cunning ship too, if you're just
0: not in green at all. But like, yeah, I would say overwhelming barrage, probably. Beauty. There's all a right, few well, good cards in there though. There it is. That is your emergency pack of the week thank you babu freak hey 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 hey. okay uh we got some work to do today because again pre-release is this weekend uh this is coming out i'm gonna actually try to hustle to get this episode out perhaps early that's up in the air so that people can maybe listen to it on friday and get ready for for their uh their pre-release otherwise that said no real news to drop other than, I guess, no headlines to really discuss unless anybody has something that you really want to... I mean, I think the biggest headline is is a pre-release, you know? Yeah. Uh, they, they
1: did just release all their PDFs for, like, official tournament rules and things like that. So if you are interested in, you know, learning all about that or perhaps TOing one, uh, organizing one yourself, probably worth a read.
0: Um, that's the only other thing I can think of. Yeah, yeah. all in all. Everything's uh, on the level, me thinks. That said, let's jump into the main discussion, our friends, which is basically, like we said, pre-release is happening. You're going to get six packs. You're going to bust them open. What the hell are you all looking forward to opening? And and we put some criteria here, because if we just put us flat out top five, it'd be like, all right, they're all legendaries. Like, let's just be real. So, sure. um, well, I mean, there's some rares and some stuff in there. So what we have done is we're, we each selected... Uh, a leader, a common, uncommon, rare, and legendary that we are hoping to open to have a great and successful winning, I guess, pre-release to that degree. So, does anybody want to volunteer to go first here?
1: Uh, I feel like you should go first. Your oh. your stuff is on the, the top in the document, so I think you should just do it.
0: Well, the document is the legal binding uh, document, so... It is, it's canon, yeah. <laughs> um all right so we're gonna start with a leader and the leader i have selected that i want to open up and play with is grand moff tarkin because within a limited pool i have seen precisely what this dude can do uh, along with imperials you are going to be opening a lot of imperials it's not going to take a lot of specific things it's not like specters you're going to need to build specters with hera and do some crazy stuff this is pretty flat out hey Tarkin does some great things and in an environment where removal is at a premium, being able to keep your stuff alive and really punch above their weight over time can become um, pretty nasty. So I selected Grand Moff Tarkin as the leader. Also, because when I beat Jeff uh, uh, Josh Massey, rather, when I beat Josh Massey, under the watchful eye of Darth Zwern I was playing Grand Moff Tarkin.
2: Nice. Yeah. Tarkin in limited is fantastic also because when you're playing draft or sealed, very often you will have turns where the cards in your hand don't match your resource curve, meaning that, you know, you might be at four resources and not have a four drop. So you might have to play a three or a two. And what he does is he basically gives you a more powerful unit if it's a an Imperial, obviously, but he gives you a more powerful unit by just making up for that gap in cost, right? So that's another reason why he's so strong and limited.
1: Should we just go through, like, all of our leaders and all of our commons? You just want to do it that way? Yeah, let's do it that do... way. No, that's a great option. I, I like that. We can break it up a little
0: bit. Yep, yeah, let's do it. So, um, yeah, that was that was my, my selection. It was uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Not Moff Tarkin. Not Governor Tarkin. Not Mr. Tarkin. Grand Moff Moff Tarkin. Grand Moff. Doe, who'd you you pick? Uh, I picked
1: a a leader that uh, I ended up playing against and was like, oh, this seems really fun in Limited, actually. And it seemed very effective, which is none other than, uh, not not a Moff, but he is a Grand Admiral. It's Grand Admiral Thrawn. And uh, this is a card that people have been uh, sleeping on a little bit, I think, um, in Limited, where... uh, it does a lot for you. Where, where limited, you're never quite sure what you're going to run into in your opponent's deck, so getting to look at the top card of their deck uh, at the beginning of every action phase is actually pretty powerful just by itself, right? Uh, knowing what you have coming up, uh, knowing what they have coming up, I think in a limited format is, is pretty useful uh, to scout out those bombs, things like that. Um, and then just being able to uh, exhaust a unit on uh, on their side every turn basically because in in uh limited a lot of people are going you know for three or less right they want to have a deck that's fairly playable with a couple like four and up kind of kind of bombs the big things that are supposed to close stuff out so you can I, I was seeing games with this leader where you were just getting like a pay one exhaust something every single turn which is really, really strong because you're theoretically building up the board, you're chipping them down, you're keeping whatever biggest threat they have at the time from being a threat. Um, so I, my mind was kind of changed about Thrawn and, and I think I might actually try to play him if if I get him. I don't think he's necessarily the best in Limited, but I think he's really interesting to pilot and uh, I think he's a little bit better than people think he is. So yeah, keep an eye out for Grand Admiral Thrawn coming to a, a pre-release near you. <laughs>
0: How about you, Charmer?
2: Well, th- this is a complicated answer for me at the leader position, because obviously the answer is Sabine. It's my favorite character. But I chose something different because I I think that Aiden is perhaps also being slept on quite a bit, much like uh, Doe is saying about Thrawn. She is an incredibly powerful leader for helping to stem the bleeding and stabilize having access, even if it's just one having access to being able to take damage off of your base once per turn is such a big thing in this game. And the more I have played and the more I've kind of realized that once you start to fall behind, not only are you working to get control of the boards state, but you're also trying to somehow keep yourself out of striking distance as well. She helps with both of those, both her ability to pull damage off the base, but also when you deploy her, her stats aren't that great. She's just a 4-4, but the shield is a really big deal. So she's a 4-4 shielded and in limited, that shield is far more impressive because they're going to have to have usually an uncommon or better card to get rid of her at that point, something like a takedown. So she's just really, really good in, in limited for allowing you to make up for a bad start. But also, I think she's really being slept on in constructed play as well. I'm just a big fan of the leader the more I kind of play around with her. And uh, I'm also a big fan of Vigilance uh, just in general in this game. And having access to Vigilance through your leader, I think, is also really, really helpful because then if you open one of those cool rare bases, for example, then it's already taken care of on on the leader slot.
0: I have a feeling that you're right. I think that Restore is going to just be... Uh, I think it's currently undervalued, even though people are high on it, and I think that Restore is going to be a huge deal um, in this game. I mean, limited any sort of healing is is a big deal, especially
1: mm-hmm. if you have damage that goes along with it. That's why Restore is so crazy in this game, is because you're doing damage and you're healing at the same time, so you're creating a, a bigger um, health disparity between your and your, you and your opponent than in other games where it's like, this heals, this attacks. Now, in Star Wars, you've kind of got both, so... Kind of, kind of interesting. Very, very important thing to think
0: about when you're building. So in the common slot, we're going to take this down uh, for me to something that's very near and dear to Ice Cave Radio's heart. It's the card that we got mm-hmm. to spoil, actually. Uh, Huge in a f- card. Fun, fun manner. It is uh, DJ Death Star himself. Super laser technician is the common that I am hoping to find. And obviously... Uh, you know being i played palpatine in the unplayable uh, showcase league which was really cool uh, by the way in that league five sabines and i also no got a message playing. saying thank you for not playing sabine i was like <laughs> we're playing i'm like listen i know it's strong we want to play some emperor i want this card in my emperor deck obviously but i want this card in the sealed pool because having a resource advantage is going to be important it's also an imperial that you can pump up with the the leader i selected tarkin to trade into something and then just ramp and have that resource ready to go. So this is certainly a versatile card. Obviously, on uh, as a three cost, it's and for the stats, it's not really doing much. But it's not about that. It's getting it early, getting it on the board, and being able to put your four, five, six drop on the board before your opponent. In limited, that's huge. Couldn't agree more. It's a great card. All right. Well, uh, take us into the next one then, uh,
1: Doa. What's your common? Uh, Sure. Well, I I had a really hard time choosing, actually. I I went back and forth on this for like 15 minutes at least. And I'm like, I finally settled on what I don't... I'm not going to say this is my favorite common or the best common. I think it is just one of the best commons out there that I could draft. And I had to pick something. So I picked the Crafty Smuggler. It is a, a neutral cunning... Unit meaning that it can go in villainy or heroism, so versatile in that regard. Two for a two, two, so it's right on, on stat line, uh, and it's shielded. And uh, like Flake mentioned earlier, and I think rightly so, uh, or no, it was a charmer that mentioned this earlier that shielded is a big deal in limited because essentially, um, you've got a card that it's two for two, two, but really it's like two for four X. Right, because you don't know uh, how much damage that shield is going to end up absorbing, you're going to be able to probably damage something whether it's being attacked or it's the one attacking uh, at least twice. So uh, anything with shielded, including this crafty smuggler here, is much bigger and scarier than it appears. So uh, I think yeah, if you're building cunning and you open this card, it's it's going to be a pretty solid thing because it's going to take multiple points of attention from your opponent to remove. Um, or if you use it to just attack into something and remove the shield yourself, they're still going to need to do something else to remove it as well. So it's it's going to trade well. Uh, I think in most cases, it's, you know, like, like I said, stat-wise, two for two, two is good. Um, it's just an all-around really solid neutral card if you're playing
0: cunning. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of good choices for con- for common, but I think this
1: is definitely one of the better ones.
0: Yeah, the, the tough part, I think, for the common, especially since there's, like, so many awesome ones, was I... I had like six or seven that I was like, these are all great choices. But I then I ended up just basically whittling it down to what works with the leader I selected and then going a little bit thematically with it. But it doesn't matter because it's just, like you said, shield and a two drop, put it down on on your first turn. Feels like a good time. It is a good time. I did it. I did the celebration and it it was a great time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) To be fair... Crafty Smuggler also works with Doa's leader because he did that's choose true. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, that's no, true. So, right. Although I will
1: say that I didn't uh, I didn't pick cards based on my leader, though. That That is coincidence that Crafty Smuggler and Thrawn Yeah,
2: I also did not do that, but my common also goes directly with my leader's aspects. So <laughs> I'm just trying to make it work. look like we stayed on theme, but sure. it, it was not because of that. Uh, my common choice was Death Trooper. And the reason that I chose this is it does so many things for so many different styles of decks yeah. all on one card that it it's almost universal. Like if you're in villainy, you can find a deck that this works for you, right? If you've got um, something like a Krennic, for example, or other grit units, right? If you're playing the... Uh, what is it, the speeder 2-drop, the 1-4 with Grit, and then you followed up with a Death Trooper on the following turn, you're going to be buffing your own unit. Death Trooper also, at a minimum, should be creating a 2-for-1 for you. Anytime in Limited that you can kind of gain Inertia, I don't want to say Tempo because in Limited it's a little bit harder to have that streamlined of a game plan, but Inertia meaning that you can kind of get your opponent working from behind. Death Trooper, if you can play it and destroy whatever their two-drop was, right? If it's a two-health unit, then you play Death Trooper, you destroy their two-drop, and you've generated a body for yourself. That's that two-for-one scenario I'm talking about. So it's great in that regard. But also, it's got very relevant tags. Uh, As Flake rightfully talked about with Tarkin, for example, he's an Imperial. There's a ton of Imperials in this set, but he's another one. So he's going to interact with all your Imperial cards. He's also a Trooper, and even if you're not necessarily in an Imperial deck, there's a number of things that also care about Troopers as well. He just covers a a plethora of options when you're deck building. Literally, the only limiting thing about Death Trooper is the fact that it's double aspect, right? you got to lock yourself into Villainy and Vigilance, but if you know you're going to be in those aspects, you can almost never go wrong with including this card. This
0: was actually the card that... I had to. This, the, it was Death Trooper and DJ Death Star. Those were the last two selections for me. And I ended up going with uh, the Ramp instead. Nice. I think it's a great choice. Yeah. Definitely great. one of the best cards in the set. You, some. you were the one, Doa, actually, who well, I think we were having a, a discussion about this when we were building our deck for, uh, mm-hmm. for the showcase series, where. You're like, what about this card? Like, let's talk about this card. And it was myself, you were talking about, I think Brian Basoko also, who is just in the chat mentioning it, and he's like, damn, this card is really good. You know, just on paper, feels good. He's like, can you target yeah. yourself? Yes, you can. Absolutely, yep. you can. Feels good. Uh, let's go to the uncommons. For myself, very, very cheese play here, but this card overperformed for me in limited... In uh, in uh, in draft, I got I got to yoink this with Tarkin as my leader. General nice. Veers. General Veers is your standard tribal boss, your tribal leader for Imperials. All your imperial Imperials get plus one, plus one. That's it. That there's that's that. This is it, Banya. This is the meal. The uh, Diddy Crumble Crackers. Who cares? He's General Freaking Veers. Everybody on the board who's an Imperial gets a boost. I think that as a three drop with a a pretty. Okay, stat line that can probably kick it with any of the two drops that are dropped on the board. I think you're fine. I think this is perfectly good.
1: Yeah, he's great. I I go back and forth whether I like him or Dodona more. Like I think in limited, Dodona is actually like a better tribal booster guy because like being a four four is so much harder to remove in in a limited than a three three. So I will say that you know comparing Veers and and Dodona like objectively, I think, in Limited, is better. But that said, Veers, I think, is easier to implement because it seems like there's plenty... You're going to run into plenty of good Imperials, whereas Rebels, I feel like you need to be a little bit more choosy, but uh not, not that much more, but maybe a tiny bit.
2: Yeah, it's funny because I think in Limited, I also prefer Dodona just because of the 4-4 stat line. Oh, yeah. But... When it comes to Constructed, I'm actually a a big fan of Veers um, I agree for a couple of reasons. Uh, The uh, official tag is fantastic for turning on the Royal Guard, but also I think the thing that gets lost quite a bit is, one, he's findable by Vader. So if you're in Constructed and you're playing your Darth Vader and you see a Veers, he fits the bill, right? So he can just come into play and immediately buff your Vader and he can ambush into something bigger than his stat line would allow. It kind of catches people by surprise. And the other reason is, again, for that same reason, where if you've got a 2-drop, right, and you have a 2-3 and your opponent has a 2-3, and that's your first turn, and then your next turn is you play general veers, as long as they don't answer by immediately blowing up the veers, your 2-3 now can kill their 2-3 and survive. And you kind of, again, get that inertia. You start to put them behind. So that plus one, plus one... I think is really important in the early stages when you're trying to kind of establish who gets to be the aggressor. And I think that he does that very well. And in a constructed environment where things are more smooth and and streamlined, obviously that works a little bit better, but a fantastic card all the way around.
0: What did you pick for your
1: uncommon duo? I picked uh, one of the best cards in the set, a card which I think will be a staple for a long time uh, in this game is called Takedown. It is a Vigilance card. It costs four, uh, defeat to unit with five or less remaining HP. Notice that it just says unit. It doesn't say non-leader unit. That means you can take out units, or you can take out leaders with it, which makes it especially strong, I think. Uh, And yeah, I mean, paying four to remove anything with five or less HP, that is extremely strong spot removal. So if you're playing Vigilance... Uh, or if you see this card, or see two of this card in your uh, sealed pool, you should strongly consider playing Vigilance because this is probably the best single-target removal I think in the in the set. I'm trying to think of something I like better.
0: It's it's I hard think, to say. I think this some, yeah. is it. Well, yeah, in-
1: I think like waylay may be a little bit better, but as far as taking out leaders specifically, I think this does push it over the the line. Where I would say this is probably the best single target removal in the set. Take down.
0: It's kind of like because it it doesn't say uh, a base health of five or less. It's just right. whatever's remaining. So this is something yeah. that you could if there's something bigger, you can work towards this becoming effective. The criteria for this is is manipulable manipulative manipulatable. I don't know. You can it's you can do things to get there. That's what I'm trying can-
1: to. Yeah, you can do you can do a little bit of damage to their leader, you can do a little bit of damage to their ATAT or whatever you need to do. It's like suddenly your 3 power thing can help kill an ATAT, right? You bring it down to 5 health and then suddenly takedown comes online. You remove it that way. So, it's a very versatile card. Um yeah, like like I said, there's not much more I really need to add to this. I think it's just one of the best cards in the set and one of the the best cards you can pull in uh, in sealed or or draft for sure.
2: You could even run DJ Death Star into something with 7 health to get it down. Yeah, right. there's even. a lot of fun math things you could do with it. Yeah, Get that get that value. So I, I don't disagree. I think takedown is going to be a staple for a long time. Um, I would say it's probably the best single target removal in set one. Mm. Uh, my uncommon that I chose is what I think is the uh, best wide removal card in set one. Um, so when I say wide, I mean anything's capable of taking out more than one unit at a time. So think targeted. cards like, uh, yeah. you know, bombing run, etc. Okay. Uh, so I chose overwhelming barrage. Overwhelming barrage is so good at what it wants to do, and two for one should be the bare minimum with this card. It could very easily be three or four for ones. It is not that hard to pull off, um, just it is a common scenario you could have something with three attack power which you know there are one drops they have three attack power two drops three drops etc so if you have just a unit with three attack power then suddenly this deals five damage any way you choose so that can take out something with three health and something with two health it can take out one giant big unit if you want but also the unit that you just played it on now swings for more as well so that's either more damage on the base or it trades up into another unit as well <laughs> This card is so versatile and every time I've played it, it has felt so backbreaking. I think that it is also going to be a staple for control decks and constructed, but I I have personally witnessed in limited environments, especially when I'm thinking about that FFG event, where this card just like single-handedly destroyed somebody and if you pair uh command and villainy with like cunning and you can have the unit that can bring events back like i saw one player do it is going to be a recurring nightmare to deal with
0: i feel like this is a card that just wants the initiative so bad it just start the turn buff up your dude raise hell and then say hey it's harder to deal with now Oh, you had a takedown, I, but now now the health is bigger.
1: I highly recommend the play with this of uh, flipping your leader, which, remember, is free. on the And then if that's a five or a six turn, you know, five or six yeah. resource play for most leaders, you flip your leader, which is probably going to have the most power of anything on your board. And then you play Overwhelming Barrage on that. Uh, because not only then can you attack with your leader uh, in, a stace, uh, in a status where they have plus two, plus two, because remember, leader's come to play ready, but you also have probably the biggest overwhelming barrage you're going to get uh, most games. So I really recommend using this on your leader flip turn specifically.
2: Yeah, leader is a great choice. Part of the reason I mentioned specifically units with three attack power is the most common play pattern I've had in Constructed so far is on turn four, if you're playing an Interceptor to blow up a space unit, very often because there's just so little space presence that or at least right now it feels like so few people are committing to space there's usually only ever like one or two units there at a time so on four your turn is literally i intercept her to blow something up and then i take the initiative then you open up turn five and your interceptor becomes a five power you likely just nuke whatever is on the ground and then you swing for five in the air it's just a really satisfying kind of turn the corner moment and it works just as well in limited, because interceptors are commons, and this is an uncommon.
1: Yeah, it's another great example. It's a it's an awesome card. What can you say? I actually, I almost chose this one too. That was it was right on the top of my list for sure.
0: Yeah, that one got to look for me as well. Um, fit into the, the Tarkin color aspects as well. But I had, uh, gotta go with my boy Veers, on the rare side though. plenty of options in rares. Just a lot of cool things that you can do. However. Nobody is as dangerous as my boy Rook, because Rook, oh boy, that is my selection for the rare I am hoping to open. I have had trouble dealing with this in a limited environment. I have also opened this in a Hyperfoil variant, and I am super pleased This card is a house. It's tough to get rid of with six health, so it gets around your takedown, which is great. It comes in with a shield, and it has the equivalent of what is basically death touch. If it deals damage to you, you're gone. And this has the potential of not just being a two-for-one, potentially, where something swings into it. You could probably clean out two or three units on the board with this thing, and it's not going to care, you know, what you look like, how tall you are, any of that nonsense. Uh, Rook came to play. Rook's gross. We're talking about shielded. Well, shielded plus plus death touch is unfair. If anybody is out there who played uh, Battlegrounds and Hearthstone, there's a reason why they took away uh, the poisonous stuff from, like the perma-poisonous from the murloc builds because people were putting poisonous (laughs) and shield on these fat murlocs and just winning those games. That's kind of what this feels like.
1: Yeah, it's it's an awesome card, uh, for limited, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it sneak into uh, constructed play too. But definitely for limited, yeah, fake fake uh, or flake. <laughs>
0: sorry to me. How to dare you. you? How dare you? I have to deal I, with the slander I, from
1: I you as well. My ongoing, my ongoing lack of sleep. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you're right about Rook. Rook, it's Rook? Rook. Rook. I call him Rook. I don't know Rook. Some people say Rook. Some people say Rook. Uh, either way, uh, definitely a good pick.
0: For sealed, undraft. I have to deal with the slander from Charmer all the time. You come back and the first thing you do is <laughs> call me fake. How dare you, <laughs> Babu Flake? <laughs> hey, hey! All right. all right, somebody Photoshop Flake's face on Babu Freak. Oh God, yeah. Well, uh, make it about, so. Make it Charmer. Make Char- it so. Char-, Char Charmer, my oldest friend. Uh, who did? You, who did? You, or no, actually, it's Doa. Doa, you go. You're you're next what? on, the, am on I? the on the rare. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Great. All right. Uh, I picked uh, none
1: other than uh, than uh, the aggression heroism starship red three, uh, which I believe was Biggs's X-wing. If I remember right, Is red that right?
0: three was Biggs. Biggs yes, right? it was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I am a little bit confused by the subtext uh, below. It says unstoppable because. Uh, if I recall correctly, Biggs was one of the most stoppable of the, uh, the rebel ships in that battle. But hey, you know, that's neither here nor there. It's a great card in uh, Star Wars Unlimited. It's a 3 for a 2-3 with Raid 1, so it does 3 damage on attack. But crucially, it uh, gives every other friendly heroism unit uh, Raid 1 as well. So if you're playing a red heroism deck uh, and you pull this card, I think there's very little reason not to include it. Um, it is just going to be good. It, it's at least a 3-3 three three for 3-1 three attacking. And, uh, you know, it's going to buff all your other heroism units. I think it's one of the best rares in the set. I think it's also a card that's going to see a ton of play in Constructed. Um, it's showing up a lot of Sabine lists already for good reason. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's equally powerful and limited. So I think it's a, definitely one of those, like, must-include if you're playing uh,
0: red or heroism. Red heroism.
2: It's, it's a really th- good card.
0: It yeah. is. It is this thing with like a, the Green Squadron A wings. Oh, gross! Mm. Mm-hmm. So gross! Oh yeah,
2: yeah. That's a scary thought. You know what else is a scary thought though? What? Not being able to defend yourself from a <laughs> strafing gunship.
1: I'm so glad you picked this card.
2: the The rare I, I chose was strafing gunship because uh, again, you might notice a, a theme, but I was trying to go with like versatility for a lot of my picks. Um, this one unlike my other choices, is single aspect, just cunning. So you can play at heroism, you can play at villainy, you can splash for it. It is a 3-4 space unit. The 4 health is really, really important because, as I earlier noted, TIE Interceptor does 3 damage, and it's a common. This survives the Interceptor. So you slap this down on 4, even if they have an Interceptor, they don't get to nuke it right away. Also, if your opponent opened a rare Bombing Run, for example, it survives Bombing Run. 4 health is such a big breakpoint in this game, and that's relevant. But also, as I was mentioning, not a lot of units in space, especially in the early game. So this is likely going to have free reign. And the fact that you can play it in space and then attack the ground arena and whatever you're attacking gets the minus two means that this is one of those ways you can help to make a comeback. Like if you start falling behind, normally if you you know played a unit into the ground and your opponents kind of already established supremacy on the ground whatever you play, they can choose to make value trades however they want and you're kind of stuck needing some sort of silver bullet. This you can develop into the space arena and then start picking off the things that are annoying you while you try to reestablish on the ground. It's just very, very good at what it does, but also in a limited environment because of that four health, Um, it's just a a quality play that's gonna get you a lot of value if they don't nuke it with you know like a, a takedown or something. But honestly, if they use a takedown on this, then they're not using it on your leader, and I think that's a win-win either way.
1: I really like that you chose versatility as one of your criteria for picking cards, because I think in in a sealed environment or limited environment, that's uh, definitely one of the best things to be thinking about, and so having something that can attack both space and ground um, is really important in this game. And yeah, I can't say enough good stuff about four health.
0: I mean, that's that's huge. Yeah, and Gunship was... One of the coolest cards that got revealed, in my opinion, it, it sort of opened up these cool new dynamics that you were hoping that they'd do, and here it is. Versatility is, is essentially what you kind of want to have. I think that's a very big point of having a successful pre-release tournament, is being able to have a card that does multiple things, that isn't just pigeonholed into having one particular job. Kind of like Rook. Rook wants to kill things. Yeah. He can't kill
1: space things. He can't kill space! Nope. I mean, well, could he Could he kill a, a strafing gunship? Hold on. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, he could kill the strafing gunship because uh, he would deal combat damage to it. He could assassinate suppose, it. So, well, Rook can kill a ship in theory, if the ship attacks him.
2: yeah. Well, and if the ship has low enough health, because his defeat a unit thing is deals combat damage to a non leader unit while attacking. Oh, so if the ship you're right, attacks you're right. him. Never mind. You know, it's the ship anything. would have to be at one health. That's the beauty of the ship, because he's also going to give Rook minus two, minus zero for that attack. So I don't,
0: I don't read cards. He's just going to be like swatting it. Like, get out of here. Just get out of here. <laughs>
2: With his
1: with its Vibro staff. Is that what he's got there? Is that a Vibro staff?
0: It looks like a staff um,
2: with kind of some electric su- stuff. Yeah, I think it's the Electro staff.
0: <clears throat> it's like the, those, a, those... Oh, yeah. Those, like, Assassin droids kind of have or the things that were well, kind of protecting Palpatine. There's Vibro blades, Vibro axes. Mm-hmm. I think there's Vibro staffs as well. well yeah, there's yeah. a
2: card. Those are the upgrade that looks just like that, though. That's the Electro, the electro staff, staff. So yeah.
0: I mean, I would imagine somebody of his ilk and... And, you know, authority would have a lot of employees. Therefore, he would ha- at, at the Electro company that he would have an Electro staff. I Googled
1: uh, Vibro staff uh, just to double check, which is admittedly a kind of a, a risky Google search. But it did come up with some Star Wars stuff that to confirm <laughs> that there is
0: there are Vibro staffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't look up vibrating stick because that's a whole other thing. <laughs> that's a whole. No, nah, that's, that's a different podcast. All right. Uh, that does it for rares now we're gonna go on to the cross your fingers and hope that we get lucky i selected obviously darth freaking vader darth vader as my legendary choice fits within the tarkin uh, option not that tarkin needs to give him an extra kick in the pants to be awesome but uh, vader as a 5-7 ambush is just really rad as hell to just drop in and start taking names but at the same time, you're able to go ahead and fish out of the top 10 cards of your deck for three three resources worth of Imperials to drop on the board. And depending on what you find, that could be DJ Death Star that you drop on the board. It could be Veers. It could be God knows what else. But you're looking for it, and you're going to place some help for free on the board. So you're populating the board, plus you're removing something probably out of uh, that, that they have on the board. And if what you get is Veers... Then it's a six eight. It's a six freaking eight <laughs> that's just wailing on you, which is really pretty brutal. So I have selected Darth Vader as my legendary of choice to that I'm really hoping all the the good the good voodoo magic helps me out when I'm opening packs tomorrow. Now, Charmer, you also picked Darth Vader, so I feel like you should
1: talk about uh Vader's all before we go to mine.
2: Yeah, so spoiler, I also selected Darth Vader for a lot of reasons. Um, <laughs> a one, I think he's probably the best legendary in set one, uh, just in terms of the value that he provides, whether it's constructed or limited. Uh, the 5-7 ambush is incredibly relevant, but also getting to put anywhere between, you know, one to three extra bodies on the board is so big. Like in limited, if you can... I know it sounds like... Not that big of a deal, but if you can find like a one drop and a two drop, then you're likely killing a unit with your ambush and you've got three new bodies on the board. So they're going to have to have something like an overwhelming barrage or a bombing run or something to catch up or else you just sprinted ahead in terms of board state. But even just again, thinking about common stuff, right? Uh, I talked about Veers earlier, but the common that I chose was Death Trooper. Death Trooper can be fetched by Vader as well. And so in that scenario, you're likely going to end up with two bodies on the board, having ambushed one of your opponents away. And then hopefully the Death Trooper also finished something. So you've killed two units and gotten two units all on one play. Such a big turn. So I also picked Vader. Now, if we want like a uh, consolation prize, then um, because, you know, I'm copying Flake apparently, uh, I would say Mace Windu. I think Mace Windu is okay. the uh, budget version of B- Vader, and I know that sounds like a, a bit of a, a demeaning label, but the reality is Vader is just so good that even being the budget version of Vader is really good. You still get the 5-7 ambush, but you can also potentially attack again. So with Windu, you can attack into their base. Uh, you can attack another unit, another unit, another unit, whatever. So I think he's a good, like if you're heroism, uh thing that you would want to pull, but Vader, Vader just does so much.
1: I got to play with uh with Windu at a, the uh, Fantasy Flight event. I, I did open him and I had him in uh, my limited deck, and yeah, he's he was super good. He would take out two to three units regularly, and like, yeah, I mean, you might end up, you know, trading with the last one, but who cares? I I'm happy to do that,
0: you know. It's kind of like a board clear with extra steps, right? Yeah, and pretty much, yeah. We like board clears, especially if they can mm-hmm. just sit on the board and become a nuisance. A lot of the times, like for example. Um, you know, I, I've been playing a lot of uh, Hearthstone and getting to Legend and whatever. And I play a lot with a good friend of mine whenever I'm in Minneapolis. he The only card game he plays is Hearthstone. So when we're together, we play a lot of competitive Hearthstone together. And we're, we always talk about, like, when our turns finish up and then saying things like, okay, on our turn, we're going to have to clear the board and do this and trade into this. And then when your opponent does it for you, you're like, perfect. Like, Thank you for making that decision or, or taking those steps and saving me the trouble of having to do this. So if you've got something like Mace Windu, whose sole objective is to just walk in and, you know, it's like, all right, Mace, you're going to get here and your objective is to clean up these three people, these three units. If, they, if your opponent wastes an action to trade into the Windu at the end that you were going to do anyways— bought you an action point from or an action sequence from your opponent and I think that's that's okay that gives you the initiative again to go ahead and either take the initiative away or do whatever you got to do so I think that that's uh, it's always fun yeah all right Doe what do you got um I picked what I think if I could
1: pick two cards that I think were are going to be the most valuable coming out of the set beyond the showcases it's gonna be that Darth Vader that we just talked about and it's gonna be this card that I chose which is the Millennium Falcon. It's a 3 for 3 4 overstated uh cunning heroism uh enters play ready and then uh when you ready cards during the regroup phase which is at the end of that phase um either pay one resource or return this unit to its owner's hand which sounds like a threat it sounds like a oh no you bet you got this tax to keep it around but it's actually a good thing because you can put it into play ready, you can attack something with it, you can put some damage on it, and then just return it to your hand. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, I can play it or I cannot play it. But either way, it's healed. You essentially full heal it by returning it to your hand, too. So it's a very versatile card. It's a very threatening card. You can have a lot of turns with this where you can finish somebody off because they're just not thinking about it, right? And then a Millennium Falcon comes down. Suddenly you have three extra damage for their base that they hadn't accounted for. So it's it's an extremely, extremely good card. Um, I don't know, you know, what decks I'm gonna play yet when the uh, the game comes out for sure. But I'm definitely getting a playset of this. Uh, it's one of my first priorities for a lot of reasons. But uh, but yeah, I think it's unlimited too. It's gonna just be one of the best legendaries you can possibly pull. It's just so strong.
0: And it's a Millennium Falcon. What's yeah. not to love? I mean, let's just be honest. It's the freaking yeah. Falcon. Yeah, I think that I think that that's a great strong choice. And a lot of people are gonna like you said balk at the fact that I got to pay one to keep it around you don't want to keep it around oftentimes you want to protect it you want to keep it in the shadows and out of your hand and doing nonsense and sometimes it's just like all right come in as a three a three attack swing on a unit and then bounce it back at the end of the turn if you don't want to deal with it um yeah i feel like cunning is going to be a a, an aspect that timing is going to be incredibly important i think that that is going to be similar like this plays within the fact that if you want to be if you want to win tournaments on cunning you better know the precise moment when to pull the trigger on things
2: sure when when i was talking earlier about how space presence can sometimes be hard to find uh sentinel in space is even harder to find and so packing this again making sure that it bounces back to your hand means that you can deal three damage in space and then not leave it around for your opponent to attack into and rinse and repeat so you can create a sense of inevitability as long as you can keep yourself alive this is just you pay three to deal three damage to your opponent over and over and over again it's really really good
0: well that does it there we go that is all of our Little mini uh, wish list that we'd like to open up. Obviously, we want to open up so many things, but um, ideally, this is the kind of stuff that we want to see when we open. So, it gives us a little bit of potency in the decks we're building, a little bit of structure and and guidance, or or a little bit of a plan at the same time. Uh, ultimately, all of our goals are to win games and have fun, and I think that that is what we're going to be doing this weekend. We hope that you have the same. Um, I got three pre releases in the books uh lots of cool stuff to just look forward to i put in my order six boxes coming my way that is what i've put in a, i am here a quote-unquote yeah. case is what we're getting
2: yeah.
0: charmer have you figured out some of the the nuances to the financial burden that you're going to be placing upon your family because of this game
2: <laughs> um no we're still navigating that
0: slowly but we're- surely
2: we're uh listen there's a number of things that have popped up that I have a lot of interest in. Uh Star Wars is definitely near the top of that, but I'm right now trying to jump through some hoops to see if I can make it to some cool events for other games. And if I can make that work, then that's where funds will go. And then if not, then oh no, my consolation is I buy more Star Wars. So, we'll we'll figure it out. Oh no. <laughs>
1: see, for for me there's this there's this really big guy um, he's got this really little annoying friend and this other friend that kind of like, kind of like, you know, has to approve you talk to him or not. And he asked me to, to take some stuff, some illicit stuff somewhere, you know? And, and, uh, uh so I'm going to do that and they're going to pay me for it. And then I'm going to go back to his, his, uh, his palace as he likes to call it where he lives and, uh, you know, get some money for more, uh, more packs there. That's my plan. Cause apparently he's got a whole lot of jobs lined up and, uh, I've got these compartments in my uh, transport vehicle that, uh, you know, that I can put the stuff in. So I've got it all planned out. I'm not worried about it.
0: Do Nothing I, will, could go wrong. I will say this. It took me longer than it should have to realize that you were talking <laughs> about Jabba. That I was like, "You're what are you doing? Oh, you? Th- uh, yeah, I'm definitely talking about Jabba.
1: That is that is who I'm talking about, yeah, Jabba yeah. the Hut. Yep, Star Wars reference right there for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. All right, Flake. Yeah. I, got a, I got a little relevant story time for you.
0: That's what we're because, here for. You know,
2: we've been talking about we've been talking about Rooks, right? Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about our love for Palpatine. But what would you say if you're on the other side of a Rook? In fact, your opponent's playing double command Emperor and they have a Rook. And then they played the command legendary to have it kill your only unit. And then they put a DJ Death Star back in their hand. And you so triumphantly said, aha, I have the answer. And I slapped down Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker. You give that Rook minus six minus six you're thinking all right i'm good to go they've only got three resources what can possibly go wrong i've got luke and then because they're double command they activate the energy conversion lab and they play dj death star they just got back and they attack it into your luke but now because the death star died they have eight resources and palp is getting ready to come down and you know it's gonna take your luke what would you say to that
0: I I would say I wish I had another emergency pack for that story. That's what I would say. Uh, I would also say that 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 is an incredibly nifty play that I hope will one day pull off because that is precisely the Emperor's plan all along was to get Luke Luke. to the dark side. But as the overseer of this entire endeavor, I would say I've got a bad feeling about this.
1: I got a bad feeling about this
0: I have a bad feeling about
2: this I've got a bad feeling about okay. it quiet
0: well it is time for the bad feeling mailbag. Uh, friends thank you so much again for not just uh, being a fan and friend of the show but also for submitting your curiosities and all of your subject matter to us. We love to talk about it again the discord is buzzing and humming we blew past a hundred members. Within a week, we are in like 120 or 130 already. Conversation is lively. We've got channels set up for buying and selling along with all the protocols and safeguards, trading, rules questions, finding games, deck brews, a whole bunch of off-topic nonsense. Got some memes of Charmer up there. This blown motivator. It's a good time, so go check it out. That said, uh, we've got some questions for the mailbag. You can go ahead and email us at icecaveradio at gmail.com. Or, as we like to prioritize, first question is always coming from our Discord. So jump in there if you want to ask a question. And the first question from Slankar asking, for the cat's ask, is is where they're submitting (laughs) this one. (laughs) If there's one new keyword you would add to the game in set two, what would it uh, be and what would it do? Very good question. And I'm going to probably be borrowing stuff from other card games because I'm not smart enough sometimes to just create my own brand new uh, brand new thing. I mean, there's a lot of keywords that we've already seen that have sort of integrated themselves into the rule set. Like, first strike kind of exists, but it's explained. It's not really a keyword, ultimately. Um, pff, this is very difficult because what we have is a very good structure for a very Mm. good game so i'm afraid of putting something in there that might okay i'll say it but it has to be with a significant amount of of care and caution i want a charge effect a go face effect but that that the problem with this is this is this is this is kind of what every most card games run away from this other than let's say magic, most card games run away from this effect or have departed from it because of the power level and the abuse that it can that you can get from it. Anything When you say
1: charge, hold on. When you say charge, do you mean you play it and get to attack base with it right away, or you just play it and it's essentially enters play ready?
0: No, you get to go face right away. Oh, okay. That is unless true. there's a sentinel or something in the way. Yeah. But I mean the, the the difference with this and Magic, and then what reason why I think Magic has sort of never departed from haste effects is because um, there you can chump block, you can throw one body in front of another that they can't point click your face and and get value off of it. Hearthstone can, and most other um, uh, decks can, but this is a, a deck or this is a game where if they don't have a sentinel up, you can just say face go. So I am reluctant to say charge but it's probably the one i want to see i don't want to see double strike i don't want to see things like that i don't want to see flying on the ground you know
2: i, I know what i want to see hit it mm. my answer to this would be some form of regenerate but instead of it being for the entire health it would also have a value the same way restore does so the same way that restore is kind of like life link but not because it's limited if you had something that was like regenerate one, regenerate two, where at the end of the turn you could take that many damage counters off of the unit, I think that would be interesting because it's yeah. still like limiting, but also thematic, right? And it feels, feels good to manipulate the tokens and actually takes into account that the damage is permanent. So, you know, you're talking about magic, right? Where at the end of every turn, essentially all damage on a, a unit resets this game, it's static it stays there and so i think that this is a good way to interact with that hmm.
1: cool i like that yeah i thought you meant it i, th- I thought you're t- going to talk about it first like something like a regenerate is in like it regenerates when it dies like uh you know like oh, a zombie yeah. or something oh like that. you yeah know, that's what i thought when you first mentioned it. And then i was like well we have to call that mechanic like somehow card name <laughs> return you know? No. That's, a, that's the easy one yeah <laughs> No. Uh, so I was I was thinking about this. I think it's really hard because I I think we do the game already does cover a lot of good keywords. You know, um, but uh, so I was just thinking about what I would do. I I like I like the idea of what if there was like a droid thing, uh, and it had like a keyword that was like spare parts, and then when the droid died, essentially it would have like a, a when defeated thing where it was like. It became a resource that was readied, but only until the end of that phase. So you got a resource you could use, but if you didn't use it, it went away to the discard discard pile. So it wouldn't be ramp per se, um, and you wouldn't you'd have to time out when it dies correctly to be able to use it. Um, but it is you know a certain type of ramp. It is ramp from a certain point of view. But it's a little bit more uh, nuanced, a little bit trickier to use. So that—that's my idea. So droids with a keyword called spare parts, where they just become a a temporary resource for that one action phase in which they die, and if you don't use it, it goes away.
0: I like it. I don't think go. any of can't these can't wait for my happen. droid
1: expansion. Yeah, I'll, that'd be I'll cool. make
0: that for you, Fantasy Flight. Just let me know. All right, who wants <laughs> that? To get... and the pod racing one. <laughs> the pod racing one is going to be so that's cool. Right. I think it'd be so that's good. Right. Who that wants would to be read great. the next one? <laughs> uh I can't. It's too small on my screen. Don't touch it, Charmer. Like, every time you touch something in the notes, they go haywire.
2: I, I have never been the source of that. Oh, Excuse is it usually you, you know? <laughs> it's usually me. Like, oh, okay. my, apologies. Straight, you know?
1: but, my apologies. my uh, apologies. Well, hold on. Let me let me maximize this. Hold on. I mean,
2: I and like Charmer can because, read this one. It's not yeah, because yeah, I I, sure I can I can, I can read it. All right, proof That's that it's, it's not all. me also doing the the resizing things. So this uh, it was an email that came to us from Simon. Oh no! Oh! Come on, <laughs> who
1: did that? Yeah, <laughs> not me. That wasn't me. I'm not. I'm not even signed into the file right now.
0: You are. I see. You're the badger or the bunny or like you're one I, of those icons.
1: You don't even know what animal would represent me in in a Google Drive, so you can't say anything.
0: I don't. Well, are you? Are you the anonymous badger or the anonymous ferret? You're one of these two. I don't know. I'm anonymous. What's the point of being anonymous if you (laughs) tell people
1: who you are? Anyway, Charmer, please continue.
2: Yeah, this is where I need the emergency pack button. All right. Simon says, hi, guys. Another great episode. So happy that my previous email was something you were able to use and gave you some amusement. Says, uh, goes goes on to say, you said in a previous episode how you see FFG will need to be providing financial reward and incentive to players to get involved. As you're in the U.S., you may not have seen this, but organized play events have already listed a large event to be held on the 23rd of March in the London, U.K. region. Although they are not listing any direct monetary rewards with the prize package, as they have listed, uh, looks to be... The prize package they have listed uh, looks to be very generous. Uh, It's 15 euro entry. All players are set to receive five booster packs, top 64 to receive a further five packs, top 32 a box, top 16 two boxes, top eight four, third and fourth a case each second gets two cases and the winner gets four cases. That's a lot of product.
0: Yeah. Uh, So this may be subject
2: to change depending on player numbers. uh, But would you consider such prizes as sufficient instead of money? That's the first part of the email. All right. So
0: here's, here's the thing is that, um, 15 pound entry to do, to get, you get your five booster packs, that's already, like... I feel like you're already coming out ahead. Like, I think that I would just enter and get my five packs at a relative discount. I don't know who's putting this on. I don't know if this is an official FFG event. Um, it sounds like... Yeah, I don't like, know anything about this one. I, I've never heard of this either. Uh, my suspicion is that this is not an official event. Like, it's not an officially sanctioned event. It's just a tournament. That's a lot of product to give away. Here's my suggestion, or here's my, my thing about this. Let's say... Flesh and Blood had an event um, th- uh, like today or this weekend um, where they're giving away this type of stuff for an event. Like, oh, you're getting a box or packs or whatever. People aren't flying out for that. And the reason why I say that is because everybody already has tons of Flesh and Blood cards, and there's the, the effort to the reward is such that if I get four boxes, that doesn't change my life because I have all the cards already. That's that's the thing. If I'm good enough to do that well, I've probably already invested enough time and money to have a collection that winning a box or two boxes or whatever, at that rate, it's just basically, I'm just buying more lottery tickets so I can open more product and then flip it. The, the uh, incentive for me as somebody to do well in this tournament is to get this product and then flip it, which again, leads me to the final outcome of financial reward that is just what i'm thinking of now the difference for me and this is that this is a brand new game so people might not have everything or they're more interested in saying i want to buy some cases so i can open some of these cool hyperfoils or whatever so yeah there's a little bit more of a carrot on a stick than it would be for games that have already done you know been around for a while but if this was like flesh and blood let's say or if it was you know i'll use flesh and blood as the example If they were giving away boxes of cards of whatever the current set is, you know, a month or two after the fact that it came out, the people who are going to be doing well on those already have all the cards, and their objective Mm -hmm. is going to be probably to flip the product or look for the gems and sell the gems.
2: Yeah, I mean, the product, like... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say really quickly, uh, and you're giving yourself homework. Like, ultimately, yeah, you get product and you could flip it, but... I notoriously just like very rarely sell any of my extras of anything because I don't want to do it. And so if if I won, same, same like, actually. you know, two cases worth of cards or whatever, I would open so that I had my play sets. And then I would have all of this extra stuff and I would be like, like, yeah, it's cool. I won it. But now I have homework. <laughs> I want to go to an event and not have to do homework to like pay for my travel to attend said event.
1: Yeah, I like I like opening a case like once per expansion. I like opening a box once in a while. I don't think I don't want to sit down and open 24 boxes, which is what four cases would be um, and if you just sell the the cases then it's like what a little over like 2k or something like that. So it's pretty pretty low pricing for first place if if it's a truly a big quote-unquote tournament. Um if you opened if we assume that and this is just totally, you know, random uh theory crafting assumptions. If we assume a showcase would go for three hundred, and every single box in every single case had a showcase, that's still like less than ten thousand for first place. So if if we're talking big card game events, that's still pretty low pricing if we if we, you know, look at it in, in product wise. So yeah, I mean it's I think I think, you know, people are gonna compete and have fun either way, but like uh yeah, I would rather see some some normal pricing than See, uh, just a bunch of product being given away, yeah, especially after the after things have come out. But I don't think we're really going to see any. And Fantasy Flight has said this said this too, where like they don't really they aren't really interested in creating like competition on a large large scale for this game in the first set. You know, they've specifically said they they want to wait for you know the another set or two. I can't remember exactly what they said to be available before they start rolling out the bigger tournaments uh, this year. Which I think is good. I mean, set one metas are always a little bit wacky in uh, card games. So uh, I, I... And it doesn't give you the best, like, competitive experience for the game, I would say. It's a ton of fun, but it's still just one set, right? The card pool isn't very deep yet. So I, I like that they're waiting a little bit. And so, um, you know, so I don't think we're going to see anything huge coming out for just set one, which which is fine.
0: So I, I do want to put some... Throw some flowers at this tournament, though, because 15 pounds... Uh, let me put that into, let's see, 15 pounds to USD. Just, it's how many kilograms bucks. is that? It's under 20. Oh, it's, it's about 20. 19 bucks. Sure. So $19 US to enter this tournament, you get five packs. You're already ahead. You're definitely already ahead. Um, and then if you do well, you're winning more packs. So what the, the good part about this tournament, first of all, anybody who puts on a tournament already gets my my pat on the back and thank you for that because that's not easy to do that said they're giving you're paying 15 dollars, and if you have a good tournament you're coming away with a lot of good stuff and i am the same way as charmer i will go once every three months go do this big sweep of all the stuff that i i don't know what to do with all this extra product that i don't like again all these promos and stuff that i got from like other tournaments or whatever i don't know how much they're worth because i don't have to do the research i gotta post them i gotta negotiate with somebody get the money ship it out and then or meet them at an event it's homework like you said i'd rather just win cash it's easy um but still the fact that they're giving away this amount of stuff for a 15 Pound or like a $20 US entry chart entry cost that is incredible because a battle hardened is $75 and you only get paid if you're like a top 32 player. So I don't think we can get paid if you're a top 32 player. I think it's top 16. Nonetheless, it's like I think the return on investment if you just want the cards is incredible.
1: It's like a really cool community tournament,
0: yeah. Yeah, uh, let's Which, go. I hope we have a lot of those,
1: yeah. I think it's uh Coming from esports, it's really sad when like only the developer of the game, you know, runs the the e- runs the scene. So, hopefully, we can see a lot of uh,
0: variety in in uh, tournament organizers and types of tournaments and things. So the the last question this week is actually one that I'm hoping to have a, a more in depth conversation. I've put in the request with FFG to talk to uh, Danny Schaefer or somebody else. We're gonna we're working on that. Um, I love talking to developers. The question here is from Matt from the Discord asking, hey guys, the set has some really fun thematic cards and I've been wondering which one comes first in card design, the chicken or the egg? What I mean by that is during development, do they have generic cards with effects and stats and then assign a theme like a name and art or is it the other way around and they build the the effect and stats to fit the theme? It's a very good question. Because there's a lot of cards I find in this set that are very thematic, that just do the thing that you expect them to do.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't know if they've ever actually talked about this, if I recall correctly, like how they go about designing sets. But just in like conversations I had with devs at the the event the other weekend and things like that, it, it feels like they really do sort of like start with, you know, okay, we've got Luke what do we want Luke to do? What should his numbers be? What should his ability be? You know, it feels to me like they think of the character of the theme first. But I know from previous card game development teams that I've talked to that you do have, of course, like a general uh, curve of stats and things that you want to be represented within a given set. And so you have to take that into account too. So I would imagine uh, it's a bit of both. Um, but just from what I've heard, it seems like, yeah, they, they do. You know, I think anyone who is making a Star Wars card game, you have to think about the Star Wars characters and the lore kind of up front, you know, when you're designing something.
2: Yeah, I don't think that they've said like officially, officially, or if they did, I, I just missed it. But knowing what I know from other card games I've covered and a lot of the developers and designers for other card games I've covered, I I expect it to be a little bit of both. Um, It kind of depends on what your goals are for the set that usually is then going to dictate how you tackle some of the individual cards. Right. Because if you've got iconic characters, you want them to represent them. But a lot of times when you come into a new set, you say, like, you know, what's the experience we want to be for this set? What are the mechanics we want to play into that experience and so then you might even go into it saying like okay we need a cycle of commons you know for one for each aspect what represents those and then you attach them to characters afterwards because you know hey we wanted this cycle but you might also go in you know with the next one for example we know that uh Mandalorian and Moff Gideon have already been announced as being uh set to you might go into that saying, okay, we know we're going to have these two, so let's make their leaders represent them, and so you build it around them. Um, most of the people I've talked to say it's a bit of both as a result.
0: I agree. I think it's a bit of both. I think that there's certain cards that you want to design, and then you fit them into a character that would do it, and there's other things that's like, hey, man, I think Han is a little reckless and, ga- and like a little bit of a gambler. Let's let's make an effect that sort of does something that Han Solo wants to do. Star Wars CCG was excellent at... at Providing the right spice and flavor for the characters that they want to represent. That does it for the mailbag this week, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all Star Wars—you appropriate ages. We thank you again for listening to Ice Cave Radio. You want to submit a question? Go ahead, Ice Cave Radio at gmail.com. Tweet at us at Ice Cave Radio at Watchflake at GGDOA at That charm 3 r or hey, join the Discord. The best way: come talk to us. We're talking cards. It's uh, pre-release weekend. We're all absolutely just yes. freaking just let's go! Finally, finally, and the game comes out next week. We're actually
1: playing this thing. We've been doing the show for how long? You've get you guys have been doing it longer than me. We're about to actually 37.
0: thirty-seven in a row. 37 weeks. In a row, thirty-seven weeks. That's a yeah, Clerks reference, no yeah. <laughs> oh boy! All right, friends, uh, we're gonna go because we want to go ahead and get a good night's sleep because pre-release is tomorrow again. Please, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel here on YouTube. Uh, Five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to us. It goes so far, and you guys have been excellent at that. Keep it up. Thank you very much. Join the Discord. We'll see you there. From all of us at Ice Cave Radio, see you soon. Charming. May the force be with you.